tonight. Um, it's funny because my parents always loved the old war because that was before Christ. I'll say no more. But um, when Pastor Barb asked me to speak and put a message together, my first thought is always to go to God. What do you want me to say? You know, what is it you want me to bring? And it was so funny because the first thing that popped into my head was praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. And I thought, oh, that's just because I sing a lot. You know, I sing the song. And I gave it a couple of days, and I asked him again, and I heard the same thing. And because I was familiar with the song, I thought, I wonder if I can use the lyrics to put a message together. So tonight, we're going to give it a whirl. We're going to have some fun and see how far we get. <laughs> so this song is actually, it's an American patriotic song by Frank Losa, and it was written in 1942, and it was in response to the bombing of Pearl Harbor and the involvement of the United States in World War II. There was a lot of false stories around the phrase, praise the Lord and pass the ammunition, and it was attributed to a lot of different chaplains. And I didn't know it, but in the military, a chaplain is called a skyrider. So when I was reading the words, I was thinking, what the heck's a skyrider? A sky pilot, sorry. So anyway, so the sky pilot is the chaplain. Well, that makes sense if you think about where God is, right? They think about him in the heavens. They think about him in the earth, the different heavens, and look up to the Lord, you know, look up to the heavens. So I thought, well, all right, that makes sense. Let's see how far we get with putting the lines together. Um, Lieutenant Edwin Woodhead was one of the officers on the USS New Orleans in Pearl Harbor, during the time where the media was trying to find out who coined this phrase to bring this song about, there was a lot of stories, and he wanted to put the truth out there rather than allow the lies to go on. But he says, you know, I couldn't do it because Chaplain Forgy, who said that famous phrase, didn't want anyone to know. He wanted it to stay a legend rather than be assigned to one man, one person. And the news media got a hold of this story, and they kept digging and digging. And finally, the um, base commander allowed them to go and talk to the crew on the ship. And they found the truth out. And then they talked this chaplain, Forgy, to go in onto a show. I think there's too many of you in here too young to remember this show. But it was called I've Got a Secret. I don't know if you've ever watched any reruns. Oh, I see some head nodding. Oh, and I see a head shaking. Thanks for making me feel old. Um, so, but anyway, so he went on there, and this was how he explained how it came about. He said, I was stationed aboard the USS New Orleans, and we were tied up at 1010 Dock in Pearl Harbor when we were attacked again. We were having a turbine lifted, and all of our electrical power wasn't working. And so when we went to lift the ammunition by the hoist, we had to form lines of men. It looked like a bucket brigade. And we began to carry the ammunition through the quarterdeck into the gurneys. He said, I stood there and directed some of the boys down the port side and some down the starboard side. And as they were going, they looked tired. I don't know if you've looked online or if you've ever done any um, Google searches on ammunition in the wars. Um, when you look at it, it looks like a bullet, but it's literally this big, and when you stand them up, they're that tall. Yes, you're nodding, so you know what I'm talking about. So they must have got really tired. They're fighting for their life. They're fighting for the lives of those around them, and that's the ammunition they've got to get to the front so they can take care of the enemy. And this pastor, Chaplain Forgy, as they passed, he put his hand on each of their shoulders, 
And he just kept saying, praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. So Lieutenant Woodhead said, I turned around and I saw him doing this. And not only was he encouraging the men, but he encouraged me. And I thought about that and I thought, how simple those seven words are. And how when we're in the battle, how simple it would be for someone to come up and go, God's got your back. Ephesians 3.20, he can do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or think. It's that moment, that split second that somebody just says something that's going to lift you out of where you're at. So I was sitting at my desk putting the message together and actually what was so funny was I, I always scare uh, Pastor Barb when she <laughs> asks me to speak. She sees me bring a book in and so she's thinking, hey, you've got 30 minutes, let's make this happen. But I had all my scriptures and what I did was... This is probably one of the most exciting um, word searches I've done with God and, and sitting down and doing a message in a long time. And he really took me down a lot of areas that just illuminated the love he has for us and the power that we have within his word. Uh, it, it just blew me away. I mean, I know it, I hear it, but because I was in it and I'm looking for it, it made such a difference to me. It was a bigger impact. And I was so pleased to be able to get into this word. And I thought the title was funny to start with and I've always got that warped sense of humor. So I didn't know where he was going to take me. And as I was going through my lessons and pulling up scriptures, I kept thinking, oh, I'm going to go off you know, here. So one of the things that happened was when I was looking through it, I thought, how do you identify just how powerful God is in one short sentence? Like that's seven words. And um, the Holy Spirit prompted me to pull out my study literature. And I love to pick things up at the Bible store. And I have this one here. And it's a hundred prophecies fulfilled by Jesus. And I thought, I know about the prophecies. How's that going to fit into my song? I can't sing that. So I looked, and I looked at the back, and I was digging in. Oh, here it is. And I realized that each color code, because I'd forgotten, I hadn't looked at this in a while, that the prophecies that were 12,000 years before Jesus' birth were highlighted in green. The prophecies that were more than 800 years before Jesus' birth were highlighted in yellow. And the prophecies more than 500 years were highlighted in blue. This is a two-page pamphlet. It's, it took me a while to go through this, and I'm looking, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, if my God can fulfill prophecies spoken over 12,000 years, my battle's nothing. My problem's zilch. It has no bearing, no meaning, no strength, no structure to the wind. And I thought, my gosh, that's amazing. It took me a while, and I thought to God, I'm sorry, God, I'll get back to my song now and my message, because that kind of took me off kilter. And so I get back, and I'm looking, and so in my message, um, praise the Lord and pass the image, in the midst of the battle, we tend to lose hope. And we look to his word for encouragement, because it's his truth. And one of the, the scriptures that came up that I kind of cast aside at first, and then I kept going back to it, and it's Psalms 42.5. And it says, why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. Wow. And I'm thinking, it's nothing. You know, um, we all have battles. 
um, including myself and my husband, we're pastors here in the church. Everybody has battles. But how we look at our battles defines how we get through our battles. And it also defines how God sees us in our battles because he's looking for faith. He's looking for you to trust him. Our hope has to be centered around him. And no matter what's going on in our world, we have to look to the heavens where our answers come from. So my mind goes down crazy paths, and I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, no matter what battle we're in, God's given us the ammunition. We can fight the good fight of faith. We've got it down to a science. And then I heard the Lord say, pick up your Bible. So I picked up my Bible, and I heard him say, artillery. So I looked up artillery because it's not the same as ammunition. Artillery is large guns used in heavy warfare. When you pick up the word of God, you are bringing in the big guns. I mean, am I crazy or what? But that's the way he talks to me. I get pictures and he talks to me crazy. I mean, seriously. I, I actually said to my husband on the way here, I said, you know, I said, um, I'm giving this word tonight. And I, I really believe it's the word of God. And I really believe a lot of people in the battles right now because we're in a year of preparation and when you're in a year of preparation and you're reaching out to God for what that future looks like, the enemy gets ticked off. Yeah. And so you have got to have the word of God deep inside you. You've got to know what pieces to use. You've got to know the scriptures to speak. And I always think of Pastor Gloria. When she was ill, I remember her saying, there was one scripture that held her tight, and that was, let not my heart be troubled. And she would say it over and over again. One scripture kept her going. And in that one scripture, she knew her hope was not going to be cast to the side, that God has got her back. It's all going to come to good because he brings everything to good to those who love him and are called. So to praise the Lord is to call attention to his glory. It's to bless, exalt, glorify, extol, magnify, and thank him. In Exodus 15, 11, the Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will extol him. And extol there means to praise him enthusiastically. And as you just can tell, I love to sing. I can't sing worth a diddly, so thank gosh I don't have anything here reverberating about what I sounded like when I was singing out there. But I love to sing. And my praise is to God. I'm a joyful noise, and that's okay to him. But I'm praising him. In the storm, I'm praising him. I'm not going to let the enemy take me down. Now, a couple of years ago, I had a situation where he took me to my knees. And I was on my knees, and, and I remember telling a friend what was going on. And she said to me, I said, I'm on my knees. I said, I'm literally on my knees. I'm, I'm praying. I'm crying out to God. And she said, get up and walk tall. She said, get up and walk tall. She said, when people are in trouble here at the office, they come to you for prayer. When you're in trouble, you hold on. You're in the closet by yourself. She said, you better get out here. She said, there's eight of us in this office that are all born again, spirit-filled. We cannot do this alone. We do not have to be warriors all by ourselves, with us. We know the word. We can speak scriptures, but we need help sometimes. And it's okay to go looking for help. Um, I always think of Bishop. I, I pull my scriptures out and I had 52 scriptures <laughs> in my lesson tonight. And I thought about Bishop when we were going through the school of ministry. He'd start out real strong, you know. He'd go and he'd get about eight or nine uh, scriptures in and 
He'd dig deep into the word. And then all of a sudden, he'd look at the clock and he'd go, okay, arm yourselves. And all of a sudden, he'd be firing those scriptures up. And you'd be going, like this. And he'd be going a mile. He sounded like an auctioneer. And I thought, I can't do that. I've got to break it down. But each scripture meant something to me. But this one I truly love. It says, 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17. All scripture is God-breathed, is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for all good work. It's God-breathed. It's complete. It's a final authority. And it's for faith and practice. You've got to put it into practice. See, faith is action. Faith is action. God has written us a beautiful love letter in the Bible. He set us on a journey. He's given us a roadmap to our destination. He's given us instructions. He's put in a survival guide. He's given us all the tools we need along the way. And he's promised he's coming with us. What more could you want? You know, I'm telling you, God is good. When we're in the battle, just one scripture makes that huge difference. And the one that came to mind for me was in Mark 9, and it's verse 24. But in Mark 9, we hear about the little boy who was demon-possessed. And the demon would throw him around and send him into convulsions. And one day, he convulsed in front of Jesus. And the boy fell to the ground, and he was foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like that? And the father answered, from childhood. It has thrown him into the fire and water to try and kill him. And then when you read the scriptures, the father asks Jesus a question, which is sort of an odd phrased question in my book. He says, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Now, when you read the scriptures, I love this part because I can imagine Jesus going, you're talking to me. Because Jesus, there's a question in the scripture, there's a question mark, and he says, Jesus says, if you can, it's a question, if you can, and it made me laugh because, you know, God's obviously got to have a sense of humor. Look at us. I mean, he's got to have one, right? Look around the room. Oh, I've killed her. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. (laughs) Ah, yeah, speaking truth. I love you. Um, Many years ago, and the reason I love that scripture is many years ago, um, I was having some health issues, and um, the doctors didn't know what was going on. It's probably about, I don't know, 23, 24 years ago. And I went to this one doctor, and he said, I think you need to go to a cardiologist. And so I went to the cardiologist, and they did all these breath tests and all kinds of crazy stuff. And he said, I'm going to send you for a catheterization. We found a couple of dark spots on your heart, and we want to find out what it is, and then we're going to know what to do to treat you. Well, I was new in the ministry. I was new to the church. I hadn't been going to Faith Builders very long in Beloit. So I wasn't really strong in the word. I really didn't know how to hold on to faith. I didn't even know whether I had faith. I just figured I was learning. I didn't know what was going on. And so I was anxious. I was very anxious. Open heart surgery scared the living daylights out of me. But that Sunday, I went to church. The procedure, I think, was supposed to be on a Wednesday, Wednesday morning. And I went to church on that Sunday. And who knows? God is so good. In Bishop's sermon, he taught that lesson. And in that lesson, the father says, and it goes to him, he says, everything he's, Jesus answered him, if you can, and he says, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father said to Jesus, I believe, help me with my unbelief. 
When Bishop said that from the platform, I grabbed a hold of that. I kept saying to myself, I believe, I believe, I believe God, I believe in God. And after the service was over, I went up and I just happened to get past Norm and Rose. Uh, they were the ones that prayed over me. And I told them what was happening. They anointed me with oil and they prayed. And it was amazing. As they were praying, I kept saying to myself, I believe, help me with my unbelief. I believe, help me with my unbelief. All the time they were praying, that's all I kept thinking, help me with my unbelief. And all of a sudden, I realized my fists weren't clenched. My shoulders were down. My heart wasn't racing. The butterflies that had been in my stomach when I went forward were gone. And it was tangible. In fact, I opened my eyes. Like I was looking for something that caused this reaction. And then I walked back to my seat and my friend um, Candice and Jennifer were there. And I said, I don't need my medication anymore. And she said, whoa. She said, you do not go off medication until the doctor clears you. I said, no, you don't understand. I just got a revelation back there of who God is in my life. He healed me. I feel it. I know it. I said, it's not an emotional thing. I said, I know I'm not going to stop my medication until the doctor tells me I can. But I know that I know that I know I will never need it again. And so my friend took me to the hospital, and uh, we went in for the procedure. And she said, gosh, you're awfully calm for somebody who's uh, going to have something done like that. Because we looked it up online and found out what it was all about. And also that if they don't put enough pressure on the vein, you could bleed to death. So I'm thinking, hey, bring in the big boys. I want somebody heavy pushing down on me. You know what I'm saying? Hold it in, hold it in. So we get there, and we're, we're cracking jokes there. And the doctor says to me, you're awfully calm. And I said, you know what I am? I said, I have no fear. I said, you're going to find nothing. He says, well, he said, let's look at the x-rays and then we'll look at the results and I'll let you know. You know how doctors are. Sorry, Pastor Paul. Not Christian doctors, the worldly doctors. <laughs> anyway, um, so we got the results back. And I'm telling you, there was no dark spots on my heart. My blood was flowing free freely. And the doctor said... You were having a reaction to something you were using that you're not using now when you change soaps, dish soaps, clothes soaps, when you put stuff in your backyard because we had treated the backyard. I want you to know what it is and I want you to recognize every time you try something new because if you bring it back again, you're going to get the same thing again. He says, but I guarantee it's going to be an allergy. And I went, wow. He said, you, it's not something that you would be allergic all the time. It's not like a pollen or something like that. He said, but if you touch it again or if you use it again. And I said, well, I'll take that because it's not a heart condition. It's not a heart problem and I don't have a dark spot. And so when I'm looking at my scriptures, one of the ones that came to mind was James 5, 14, 15. And I got really excited about this because it just repeats what I've just said, only scripturally. I love it. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. We'll forget the sin part, but I'm well. <laughs> I do get into a little trouble every once in a while, but it's not so bad. Anyway, um, so there's a lot of things that in here that I'm, I'm watching the clock here because I've got to watch the time. But um, my faith was not strong, as I said, and I didn't really know a lot of the word. But had I known a lot of the word, I'd been looking for scriptures like this, Jeremiah 17, 14, that says, Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, and you are my praise. 
It's all God. I can't take any credit for anything. And then, of course, because I was so anxious, Philippians always comes to mind, 4, 6 through 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in all situations, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Oh, man, we've got a good God. Say, we've got a good God. He's good. The next thing I was looking at is the next line in the song, because remember, we were supposed to be focused on the song. I keep going down these rabbit holes. The word of God keeps taking me off in different directions, but we're going to get back to the song. And in there, it says, and we'll all stay free. So Jesus came to free us from death, sin, and anything that enslaves us. To whom the Lord sets free is free indeed. We all know that is a common scripture. We hold on to it because that's what we get when we get salvation. But what can keep us in bondage? What enslaves us? What causes us not to live the life of freedom? Is it sin, alcohol, drugs, witchcraft, adultery, fornication, pornography, just to mention a few? Or are you just battling anger, depression, sickness in your body, and you're not really in sin? Either way, you're enslaved. And either way, God's given us a way out. His word is truth, and his promises are yes and amen. amen. You know, I've, I know people who have been delivered from drug addiction, and under their own steam, they couldn't break the habit. They tried time and time again, and they kept going back to it over and over again. But then I also know those that there's one time they get on their face before God. They cry out a heart's cry, and God's timing for them is right now. Right now, they get there suddenly. God's timing is not our timing, and we don't always like when he comes because I don't know about you, but I'm a little impatient at times. I wanted it yesterday. And when he doesn't come yesterday, it's like, hey, where are you? You know? I mean, because I'm impatient. I want it now. But um, we don't have to understand God's ways because his ways are higher than our ways. We just have to trust him. But he's never late. He is never late. And when we're in bondage, we always have to seek him in truth. In Psalms 145, 17 through 19, it says, The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his deeds. The Lord is near to all who call on him and to all who call out to him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him and hears their cries and saves them. No matter what you're going through, he hears you. You're going through it. Absolutely, you're going through him. He's your rock, your fortress, and your deliverer. Praise God. And because I've never had a drug addiction, I can't testify to what goes on in the mind and the body when you're fighting it. The only addiction I ever had was cigarettes. And I used to smoke two packs a day, and I'd light one up off after another. And one night, my little daughter was laying on my chest, and she said to me, Mommy, are you going to die? <laughs> what? I said, why would you ask me that? She says, because you rattle. I said, what? She said, you rattle. Her aunties had all talked, you know, the old aunties come over and they're at the kitchen table with the tea and they talk about the death rattle. Well, she heard it and she remembered it. And when she lay down on my chest, she could hear my lungs rattle and it scared her. And I had been praying for God to help me quit smoking because I knew it was causing health problems. And I said, God, did you hear that? you got to help me. And what's so amazing was I wasn't even going to church at the time. As a little girl, I'd gone to church. I gave my life to Christ when I was about eight or nine, believe it or not, through the Salvation Army. 
and I knew the word of God a little, but I'd walked away. I wasn't walking with him, but I was still crying out to him. And I went shopping, and they had all the cigarettes on this rack. And I went over and I went to grab the carton of cigarettes for my brand. And I heard as plain as day, as clear as a bell, you don't need them. And I put them back, didn't think twice about it. I walked away and I went home. While my friend and my neighbor, Eleanor, and I always sit outside on the afternoon, Saturday afternoon. We have a couple of cigarettes and I wasn't saved at the time, so I'd have a little glass of wine. I'm just saying. (laughs) Got to clarify. Um, But anyway, so we sit outside and I said to her, I said, you know, I've only got four cigarettes left. I'm done. She goes, oh, I'll give you a pack. I said, no, you don't understand. I've got four cigarettes left and I'm done. Well, she started to laugh. Because she knows me. I've tried time and time again to quit. But I knew and I looked at her and I said, I'm telling you, I am never going to pick up another cigarette again. I know that I know that I know. And do you know I have never picked... I I don't know why I had a spoke the last four. I'm probably cheap. I think I might be Jewish or something. (laughs) I can't afford to spend the money on But anyway, so I smoked the last four, and then at the end of it, I never bought another pack, and I never picked up another cigarette, and I never asked anybody for one at all. I later realized that that was the Holy Spirit. You see, when I was a little girl and I told him I'm yours, his promise that he'd never leave me nor forsake me stayed with me. And even though I walked away and I was walking down the path with the world, he was going, psst, psst, I'm still here. Psst. I've got something for you. Psst, come here. There's a plan for you. I have a plan for your life. Oh, thank you, Paul. Alpha Paul, you're awesome. You just don't want me to walk out and go, right this like, wine all over the place. And then I get into trouble with my husband. You know that, don't you, if I spill? Ooh. He does not like it when he has to clean up my mess. And he does it often. Anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> when you're in the battle and it looks like you're facing your Goliath, You've got to remember that when the king's army saw Goliath, they saw his size. David knew his God. When you get into your word, you know your God. You know what he can do because it's not you that's doing it. It's all done through God. And when you get anxious when you're in the battle, and it rears its ugly head, it kind of comes to the party. You may be fighting drugs, alcohol, whatever it is. Anxiety attaches itself to you. It comes as a plus one. It's like inviting him to the party. But you don't want him there. But anxiety is a distraction from the relationship with God. And, and the truth is that he is the Lord of heaven and earth. But anxiety draws you away from that truth. At its worst, anxiety is a crippling disease taking over our minds and plunging our thoughts into darkness. We have to go into the scriptures. We have to know where to look. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition. I know I've read that in my first page, but I love this one. And I always come back to this when I get anxious. Always. It's my my, my go-to verse, like Pastor Glorious was, Let not my heart be troubled. But the second one I love says uh, Psalms 94, 18 and 19. When I said my foot is slipping, your unfailing love, Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. And in this uh, uh, scripture, consolation is comfort. We look to God for comfort. 
Um, the pastors have all been talking, as I said earlier, about preparation. And while I was uh, building my lesson and putting scriptures together, and I'm ta- thinking about preparation, how are we preparing? What am I doing as I'm preparing for this message? What am I doing that's going to propel me into the future? And then I heard the Holy Spirit say, what is God preparing you for? And I thought, oh, I never thought about that. I thought it was all about me. I thought when we were doing the message that it's going to be about us, Christians, you know, finding out God's kids and what the ammunition is that we have to use, how to fight the good fight of faith. When we're in the storms, how to find peace. And each time we go through one, oh, yeah, we're going to get stronger. We're going to get better. It's going to get easier. The next one's going to be good. And while that's all true, he also showed me 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. And he says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles. See, I just said that's what happens. Why wouldn't they listen to me? But then he adds, so that we can comfort those in trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive. Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. It isn't about us getting the Bible. It isn't about us getting revelation. It's about us going through what we're going through so we can walk through it with somebody else. It's taking somebody else by the hand and saying, it's okay, we got this. You know, this is what God will do in your life. This is what he did in mind. He's no respecter of persons. What he will do for one, he will do for another. Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. He's us holding someone else up, being an armor bearer when they're in the battle and they're fainting, they're growing weary. I know that's a great scripture. I like that one. I had to find that one though. It's the end bit that threw me off. But I like that one. That was a great scripture. And what he did, he took me back to those seven words. Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. It kept the men going. It encouraged them. We need to encourage each other. I've got to cut some of this out. I'm looking at the clock. Um, Jump into the next line. I know. I'm like, Uh, praise the Lord and swing into position. That's the next line in the song. So is your position one of faith? Through the word of God, we know that the position of faith is a position of confidence and it's a position of assurance. However, many times the assurance and confidence isn't there. And usually it's because we've got self-condemnation, guilt and shame because we've caused the situation. And when that happens, the enemy starts to whisper in your ear, well, if you hadn't done that, that wouldn't have happened. If you didn't go down there Friday night, that wouldn't have happened. If you didn't spend the money, the bill wouldn't come, whatever it is. And he just goes in your ear, driving you crazy. And then if you listen to him, if you give ear to him, it starts to go into your heart and all of a sudden you're thinking, oh God, I did that to myself. It's my fault. I don't know how I'm going to get out of it. Oh, I could do this. I could do this. And you start to function in your flesh. You start to look at how you're going to get out of it. It's not up to you. You know you can't get out of it because you got yourself into it and you realize you're in a mess. If it's that big, you've only got one place to go. You've got to go to God. You have to go to God. When he, when he whispers in your ear, you have got to go to God. Because when you know God and his word and you believe that he loves you, that his grace is yours for the asking, your next step is to quiet the enemy. You have to repent. You have to acknowledge what you've done. And then you have to ask him for his intervention, for his wisdom to correct the situation. Because you've got to then know that his promises are yes and amen. And he's already won the battle. 
He already knows what the outcome is. If you've got yourself into a mess, I recommend you read Isaiah 57. It's one of those long scriptures I wasn't going to bring. I didn't want Pastor Barb to have a heart attack when she saw me pull out one sheet. But it's a, good, it's a doozy. Because he talks about when God is mad at Israel and their wicked ways. And his anger shows up from verse 1 through 16. But then in 17 it says, I was enraged by their sinful greed. I punished them and hid my face in anger. Yet they kept on willfully in their willful ways. I have seen their ways, but I will heal them is the end of the ver- that second verse, the beginning of the second verse, sorry. He says, I have seen their ways, but I will heal them. I will guide them and restore comfort to Israel's mourners, creating praise on their lips. Peace, peace, peace to those far and near, says the Lord, and I will heal them. So even though for 16 verses, God goes off on all that they've done, all wrongs, all their sin against God, and then he comes to 17 and tells them, ah, you know, My grace, 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 grace. There is nothing you have done or can do that you cannot run to your father with. Nothing. No matter what's going on, you can turn to and count on God. When we grow weary in the battle, we need each other for comfort and encouragement. The enemy has us in bondage sometimes and we allow it because we're not speaking the word of God over the situations Um, in John there is no fear in love but perfect love casts out all fear and I love that verse I hear it a lot we hear it a lot and and it's truth but what I love about it is as a little girl when I got into trouble I never went went to my mom I always went to my dad (laughs) I had three brothers I was the only girl until my sister showed up when I was 11 wasn't thrilled about her I wanted another boy But anyway, I love her dearly now. But my dad was my dad. And they used to say, where Q goes, you goes. He was Q and I was you. When he came home, I followed him up the stairs. I sat outside the toilet. It was in the... He'd come out and he'd go into the bathroom. Because in England, the bathroom and the toilet aren't in the same room. Just so you know, I'm not crazy. The tub's over here. And the toilet's over here, which is actually more convenient when you think about it. I mean, somebody's in the bathroom or somebody's in the shower and you've got to go. It's get out of my way. I'm coming through. In fact, when I come home, I announce to my husband sometimes, i got to go to the bathroom. (laughs) He goes, you don't need to tell me, honey, I know where you're going. (laughs) But I followed my dad everywhere. There was nowhere he couldn't go that I wouldn't go. He would tell me to take days off of school. Shh. And at the time, we didn't get into trouble in England. And I would. And I'd go on coach trips with him. But when I got into trouble, I could go to my dad and tell him, Dad, I messed up. I messed up. This is what happened. And um, it gets more difficult to tell your dad you've messed up when you get older. Because when you get older, you see the disappointment in his eyes. But he never stopped loving me. And he always got me out of a mess. That's what your heavenly father does. He never stops loving you, and he always lets you get you out of the mess. I'm just saying, Tony, you're getting pushy, pushy, pushy. <laughs> oh. And then Romans 8, 28, 30 assures us that all things work together for good to those who love God. And they were called according to his purpose. I got so many more scriptures, so many more lines on the um, 
on the song, but I know we're running out of time. God's word brings victory. He has a plan. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways submit to him. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. When we're in a position of faith, we can enter into the praises for God. And when you're under attack and you praise God, you confuse the enemy. Real quick, years ago, I was um, dating a gentleman who played in a band. And one of the other guitar players had asked me out um, prior to my dating this gentleman. And the crazy man got drunk one night, told his new girlfriend that he asked me out first. And then he looks at me and he goes, you should have gone out with me instead of Rod. And I'm oh, Rod. So she looks at me and guess what happens? Who's the bad guy? Me. She throws a drink in my face, storms off. So the girls at the band, want, they wanted me to take her down. I could see it in their face. She was a little whippet. I could have taken her. So anyway, so she, was, <laughs> she went outside. She was a little nervous. So I followed her outside. And, and what was so crazy is they just got engaged. And I went outside and I said to her, and I said, you know, I can't even remember her name. Gosh darn it. I said, I am really sorry if I have done something that's hurt your heart. I would never do that to you. And I would like to buy you a drink and say congratulations on your engagement. You guys are going to have a lovely, long, wonderful life together. And she looked at me, and all the girls were fuming in the bar because they wanted me to take her out. They wanted there to be a scuffle. And I didn't want that. But, you know, it's funny because, again, I go back to my relationship with God at an early age. He'd always planted the truth in me already at an early age, and I knew what was right. I knew what I would have done if I'd have taken her out. I would have been wrong, and it would just compile the problem. I wanted to defuse and de-escalate what was happening, and I wanted to love on this girl because at that moment, she needed it. She felt insecure, uncomfortable, and she was hurt. And see, you have to rise to the occasion, and you have to be... Jesus here for them. Just in that moment, you have to give him, them his word. You have to do what he would do. You can't do what your flesh wants. You just have to love on him and then see the hand of God move. Anyway, um, I hope you enjoyed this. I've got a lot more, but out of time. And I know Tony's going to start plucking in a minute. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> God is so good. Um, I just want to pray, if I can just pray real quick. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you that for this word tonight. We thank you that you love us, that you've called us, Father God, and that you've got a plan for us and a destiny, Father God, and a purpose. We thank you, Father God, when we're hurting, when we're scared, when we're anxious, when we're in a storm. Father God, we give you all the glory and all the praise as we submit and commit our lives to you. Let your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen.